Today on Blue 58, the Packers beat the Chiefs to move to 7-1. and one. How did it happen? And more importantly, what can we learn? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We've got a 7-1 and one Packers team, which I think, even for the most optimistic of Packers followers, is a little unexpected. Here we are now at the halfway point of the season, 7-1, and one, having just beaten the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. Now, it wasn't the full Kansas City Chiefs, and that's part of this story. But the bottom line in this week's outcome for the Packers is they beat a team they should beat. They were favored to win and did, and no matter how ugly it looked, it was a win. I think as fans and people who follow the team and comment on the team, we don't need to either try to gild the lily when they win or try to complain about something not being as good as they hoped, as we hoped. Yeah, they probably should have taken care of the Chiefs a little bit sooner, a little bit more convincingly, but winning is hard and getting wins is good, and the Chiefs are a good team, coached by a great offensive mind and Andy Reid who made it real tough on the Packers for a long time. But the Packers won in the end, and that win counts the same as every other one on their schedule so far. They don't award style points in the NFL. This Packers team is 7-1, and one, and that's a pretty good place to be in halfway through your season. So why did this game turn out the way it did? Three reasons. First, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Let's start with Rodgers. I think he played a masterful game. And full disclosure, we are recording this Monday afternoon because of some circumstances outside my control that prevented recording directly after the game. Let's say the new co-host was not super pleased with his sleeping arrangements last night. But reflecting on this, and with the with the benefit of some commentary coming out Monday morning, I think we can fairly say that people really trying to poke holes in Aaron Rodgers' game from Sunday I'm not sure, man. Pro Football Focus was out with their grades for this game. Apparently, Rodgers grades out at a 65 for this one. They, I don't know. Uh, I really struggle with that. And, you know, you don't want to get too far into the grades, and they're not going to talk about how they graded individual plays. But Rodgers did what he needed to do to help the Packers win. There were some plays that I'm sure he would like back. Uh, a missed throw to, or a missed opportunity to Danny Vitale is one. Uh, Chris Collinsworth pointed it out on the broadcast. He probably should have hit him. But overall, Rodgers was a big reason the Packers won. His stats were largely due to other people making plays, but he made some great decisions. For instance, down the stretch, uh, in the, in the clock killing drive that the Packers had at the end of the game to take five minutes and whatever seconds off the clock, uh, to keep the Chiefs from ever getting the ball back. The third and two play, deep in their own territory, he made a great late check to uh, an Aaron Jones run that picked up a first down and kept the chains moving. That was exactly, I think in a nutshell, the sort of game that Aaron Rodgers had. He managed in the second half especially to get the Packers to the line fairly quickly so he had time to diagnose the aggressive blitzes the Chiefs were sending and carve things up from there. He finishes the day having completed almost 70% of his passes despite a lot of pressure and being without David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga for stretches, playing without Devontae Adams. If you can do that, I think you'll take that. And if that's a 65 grade from Pro Football Focus, I'm fine with that too. Then you've got Aaron Jones, who I think can be encapsulated in one particular stat. 
He posted just the eighth game in Packers history when a player had more than 200 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns. And he would have had more had he not stepped on the sideline on that one play early in the game. But hey, can't get them all. Jones is turning into an exciting, dynamic playmaker who's finally getting the stats that he deserves right before our eyes. I guess he's always been a pretty dynamic playmaker, but he's getting the stats and the opportunities that everybody has always wished that he he would have gotten. And it's fun to see what he can do statistically when he gets those opportunities. So those two players on offense are a big part of the reason the Packers won. Secondly, and this is something we kind of alluded to in the preview podcast that we did, the Chiefs messed up and then they blinked. So we were kind of counting on this one, if it turned out to be a track meet, uh, turning on Matt Moore and the Chiefs messing up before the Packers did. That's a pretty safe bet if you're playing against a backup quarterback, and that's probably something you're hoping for, even when you're dealing with a a great offensive play caller like Andy Reid. It wasn't Matt Moore that messed up ultimately, though. It was LaShawn McCoy, who fumbled, uh, and the Packers scored a touchdown just a few plays later. Then, late in the game, Andy Reid, after making brilliant tactical decision after brilliant tactical decision, made a colossal blunder. Facing a fourth and three from his own 40-yard line with just over five minutes left, trailing by seven, he chose to punt, and the Chiefs never touched the ball again. I think there's a great comparison to this play, and it actually happened to the Packers last year. Playing on the road in Seattle, uh, we crucified Mike McCarthy for punting with four minutes and 20 seconds left, facing a fourth and two from the Packers' 33-yard line, trailing by three. The Packers, again, Uh, like the Chiefs, never touched the ball again in that game and lost an opportunity to win. Andy Reid coached an amazing game. He made things easy for Matt Moore. He took advantage of the Chiefs' playmakers where he could. He exploited some Packers' weaknesses in their defense, namely the middle of the field where Blake Martinez has been forced into a lot of coverage responsibilities lately. He did all of those things. But then he took an opportunity for his team to win the game away when he decided to punt. Three yards is not all that much, especially considering how well the Chiefs moved the ball at times yesterday. And I feel like they probably could have gotten those three yards and at least given themselves an opportunity to to get into a fourth and long situation where it's a much tougher call on whether or not you should punt. I think fourth and three at that point in the game is is a gimme decision. And uh, I think a lot of the numbers uh, agree with us there. And whether you you agree with the numbers or not, the results bear it out. Uh, the Chiefs did not get the ball back again. Then finally, the third reason the Packers won, won yesterday is because the defense did just enough. They held down the Chiefs' running game. Uh, the Chiefs only averaged 4.4 yards per carry on 20 attempts and never had a run of more than 9 yards. They held the Chiefs to a pretty relatively low conversion rate on third down. The Chiefs were just 6 of 11 on third downs. And then the Packers' defense came up with two sacks, one on a key third down on the Chiefs' first drive of the second half. They weren't great. They got beat up on at times. But on the road, in a hostile environment, playing against all those skill position players that the Chiefs have, they did what they had to do and came out of there with a win. It wasn't pretty, but again, no style points in the NFL. And really, I'm not sure the Packers will ever play a collection of skill position players like this again until they get 
to the Super Bowl and see the Chiefs again if that is how all this works out. There are teams with really great individual players. Uh, I think of of the Saints as a really tough matchup. They've got Alvin Kamara, uh, Mike Thomas, uh, Drew Brees doing all the things that he does. But really, they don't present the matchup nightmares at absolutely every single level that the Chiefs do. They don't have the speed. Few teams do. They don't have the variety. Uh, and they don't have somebody like Patrick Mahomes, even though Drew Brees is great, um, at the controls. And that would have been an incredibly tough matchup for the Packers had Mahomes been out there. And that's a point that we should probably address too. I don't think the Packers win that game last night if Patrick Mahomes is playing. But that doesn't matter. We can't discount wins that the Packers get just because of the circumstances in which they played them. you got to play the games that are on the schedule, and you've got to play them when the schedule says that you play them. The Packers here playing an AFC team got a win, and it's one that's going to benefit them down the stretch. It doesn't really matter how they got it. Having that seventh win is the important thing. AFC tiebreakers are pretty far down the list um, when it comes to playoff seating and things like that. So this is one where the Packers just have to take it and use it to burnish their record and move on. And other teams trying to downplay it saying, yeah, you, well, you didn't get Patrick Mahomes. That's true. But this is all the Packers could do. They can't go back and replay this game when Patrick Mahomes is healthy just for what, honor or something like that? Take the win and move on. So what does this all mean? Well, like we were just saying, the Packers are 7-1 and one and in control of the NFC North. That's a pretty good place to be at the midway point of the season, especially with the Minnesota Vikings hanging tough at 6-2. and two. At the midway point, I think it's pretty safe to say that the offense has pretty much lived up to the Matt LaFleur hype. The idea was that you bring in one of these young offensive minds to help streamline your offense, make things better for your quarterback. It seems like Matt LaFleur has been able to do that. Aaron Rodgers seems like he's more apt to take advantage of some of these matchups than he has been in the past. He's more able to. And I think it's really fun to see Aaron Rodgers playing in a system where it feels like his audibles are actual checks to additional plays that are good instead of him just running around before the play, telling everyone where they're supposed to stand and where they're supposed to go. That's not how audibles are supposed to work. In this Lafleur system, it feels like the checks that he's making have actual consequences. On the defense, I think we still have a bit of a question mark. Did we see a bad defense last night, or did we just see bad matchups? The Chiefs are a tough offensive matchup, defensive matchup, however you would say that, for just about anyone in the league. And speaking directly to the Packers' situation yesterday, how would you attack a backup quarterback. You'd probably try to pressure him, bring some blitzes from unusual angles, and make him uncomfortable. The Packers didn't do that last night, but maybe they couldn't do that or didn't think that they could. Maybe that's a tactical decision by Mike Pettin that just is proving to be incorrect. Maybe not. But for whatever reason, the Packers didn't seem to think that they could get to Matt LaFleur, not Matt LaFleur, uh, Matt Moore quickly enough with pressure uh, that their playmakers like Tyreek Hill uh, wouldn't just tear them apart. Maybe that's playing it too safe. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think that's why the Packers chose to play the way they did. And they've kind of done that a couple weeks in a row now. They've sat back and just said, all right, game manager, quarterback, see if you can try to beat us. For much of the game, Matt Moore was doing that. But down the stretch, uh, the Packers hung pretty tight, ate up a lot of clock on offense, and uh, 
came away again with the win. One thing I, I will add to this analysis is I think we're seeing a serious lack of speed in the short middle of the Packers defense. It seems on a more and more consistent basis like people are picking on Blake Martinez. And I think when you don't have someone filling that hybrid linebacker spot next to him with a little bit more speed, that becomes even more evident. So if Raven Green is out there filling that role, if Ibrahim Campbell is out there filling that role, if Oren Burks can figure out how to play that kind of role, maybe Blake Martinez doesn't get quite so exposed moving around the middle of the field. But if you've got some teams with speed, if you've got a team with a tight end that can uh, attack vertically or moving across the middle, then I think you start to have some problems. And I think we've seen those problems over the past couple weeks. Remember, Martinez is in a contract year here, and we're deciding whether or not we'd like to, to sign him long term. I argued this spring, this summer, that if it's my money, I think maybe maybe I move on. Maybe I try to find somebody a little bit more dynamic, because this is pretty much what Blake Martinez is. He's a, a relatively good athlete, but not somebody exceptional. Uh, he cleans up a lot of tackles. Uh, doesn't make a lot of splash plays. That is the Martinez that we've gotten this year. Sure, he's thrown up some big tackle numbers. Very few of them are at or near the line of scrimmage. And again, that is the Blake Martinez experience. And other teams seem to have finally figured that out or been able to expose him a little bit more. What happens next? Well, next week the Packers are off to Los Angeles to play what amounts to a neutral site game against the former San Diego Chargers. And from what I understand, they left most of their fans in San Diego when they moved. The Chargers, who I am at some point definitely going to call the San Diego Chargers without realizing it at some point and then kick myself if I listen back to the episode, uh, beat the Bears on Sunday thanks to the Bears missing a field goal there right at the end because, of course, that's exactly what the Bears did. The Chargers are now 3-5 and five, and second from the bottom in the AFC West, just one game ahead of the Denver Broncos who are sitting at 2-6. and six. Yeah, what a dumpster fire that AFC West has turned out to be this year. Chargers still a dangerous team in some respects. Phillip Rivers is a very good quarterback. Uh, Melvin Gordon uh, can be a handful. It's interesting. I think it'll be interesting this week to see what kind of Melvin Gordon we're going to get, if he's all the way back or not. It seems like if there's anybody who could help him get all the way back, it's a very permissive Packers run defense. We'll see. Um, but I, I would feel pretty confident if I was a Packers fan heading into this one. And fortunately, I am a Packers fan, so I'm feeling pretty confident going into this one. Let's talk about a few random notes and nuggets before we move on from this episode. Matt LaFleur had a great challenge early in the game. That pushed him over 500 for the season. Now four and three on challenges so far. He's been pretty judicious on the challenges, and uh, he's getting a pretty good return on them as well. Uh, also early in the game, when the char or when the uh, the Chiefs, see we're already talking about the Chargers, the, the Chiefs started to get back into the game. They scored that big, long touchdown uh, to Travis Kelsey. That might have been the most window dressingest play I've ever seen. That's a, a catchy term now that a lot of announcers and analysts are using to talk about motion and stuff that goes on before you get to the actual part of the play that you're trying to do. That might have been the most I've ever seen on one play. And it was a really cool play. They had not one, but it looked like two shovel pass fake options 
up the middle for Matt Moore. He faked to the second of the two players, then just launched the pass deep for Kelsey, let him run underneath it and stroll into the end zone. And who is the nearest Packers defender to him? None other than Blake Martinez. It looked like he was counting on some sort of safety help deep. That was not there. Again, just great play design there from Kansas City. It looked pretty touch and go there for a while as Kansas City started to rally in the second quarter. And they were able to draw equal in that game on the scoreboard and take the lead in part because they were able to convert a couple third and long plays on their scoring drives. On the first one, they converted a third and 12. On the second, a third and seven. Both went more or less over the middle. And again, you wonder about Blake Martinez there and the Packers' relative lack of speed in that part of their defense. Like the Chiefs, the Packers were able to score on their first drive of the second half because they, too, were able to convert a third and long. But if I told you prior to the game that the Packers would convert a key third and long with a catch-and-run play to Jimmy Graham, I bet you wouldn't have believed me, but that's exactly what happened. It's third and 10. Aaron Rodgers checks down to Jimmy Graham, who runs for more than 10 yards and collects the first down. That is still kind of wild to see on the stat sheet, and I'm not entirely sure that it actually happened, but it did. Uh, Jimmy Graham managed to actually run after the catch and pick up a first down. Another weird thing in the second half for the Packers, and we'll close with this one because it's, again, something that I don't recall seeing before. The Packers took the lead on their first drive after LaShawn McCoy fumbled. Uh, Thanks in part to that, well, thanks almost exclusively, I guess, to that Aaron Rodgers pass to Jamal Williams. But they open that drive with a flea flicker, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It feels like you're seeing more and more of those around the league. Maybe that's, I don't know, something to do with aggressive safety play or something like that. I don't know. Uh, But more and more teams seem to be doing that. The Packers got in on it this week, but they chose to do it from the Kansas City 27-yard line, which seems weirdly, weirdly close for that kind of play. And I think, I haven't gone back to look at it, but I think if you looked at the uh, the shot from behind that the play, like with their spider cam or whatever, there was someone running a post from the left side of the, the play who almost looked like he ran out of room at the back of the end zone just because a flea flicker is by its very design a very long developing play. That's why I thought it was so odd to run it from the 27-yard line. But hey, if they if they saw something in the Chiefs defense that thought that made them think they were vulnerable there, I guess that's when you run it. That's what the Packers decided to do. And uh, it didn't work out, but they got the score ultimately on that drive anyway. So I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. Thank you for your patience, getting this one a little uh, out a little bit later than usual. I uh, do appreciate you tuning in anyway. And if you like what you heard, leave a rating and review in the podcast app uh, of your choice. It does help more people find the show, particularly through the Apple Podcast app. I think they've made it easier to leave reviews there as well. Thank you, everyone who's taken the time to do that. If you want to take your support to the next level, check out patreon.com slash thepowersweep. That is where you can donate $1 per month to help offset some of our hosting costs or just say, hey, uh, we really like what you're doing. Uh, Keep it up. Uh, You can also check out our great selection of t-shirts and sweatshirts at Teespring. Click the shop link at thepowersweep.com to find your way there. But if you don't want to do any of those things, perhaps the best way you could support us is by leaving a comment a question, a bit of feedback, whatever, uh, on one of our social media pages. Reach out via Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever. 
and give us your thoughts. We love to hear them. Give us your questions. We love to have those too, because if we can answer those, if we can follow up with people who are thinking about the things that we're talking about, that helps further our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.